This podcast has now been referenced in keynote speeches at Arabia HQ, Architects Journal, BD Online, and GB News. Hello, Jason here. Before I start the podcast, I would just like to share some news. The Brock Architect podcast is now raising money for the Architects Benevolence Society. And I have set a target of £1,500 by December the 15th, 2023. Please consider donating as you never know when you yourself would need help. Links in the show notes. Now back to the podcast. This is season two of The Broke Architect. I have a question for you. Are you an architect and are you f***ing broke? If the answer is yes, it's what I've suspected for many years, as I am indeed an architect myself. This podcast is about debt in the profession of architecture, and I want to hear from you. Are you just surviving month to month with no extra money for savings? Or are you seriously broke and in debt, and stress and worry about your income? Or does your wife, husband, or significant other earn substantially more than you which gives you a great life, given the ability to choose your clients, when you work and who for, or have you attained financial freedom in architecture? If you're in the first two categories, surviving month to month or facing financial difficulties, how is this affecting your mental health? Are you suffering from depression or even despair? Please share, subscribe, and comment to support the channel. Hello everyone. Today we have husband and wife team Carla and James, who are architectural photographers based in New York City. James and Carla started their YouTube channel to act as an artistic intervention to help raise awareness of the importance of small, independently owned businesses and their unique character that the shops have that which add to the streets and neighborhoods of New York City. Now, Carla and James themselves, they live in Greenwich Village and they began to notice the alarming rate at which these stores were disappearing. Now on their YouTube channel, they showcase portraits of storefronts in New York and also the boroughs beyond the five boroughs. And they also capture moments of city life. Now the moments of city life they showcase show the spirit, they show the energy and the cultural diversity of the neighborhoods, including lots of street food tours. Now the star of the show is their beautiful dog named Hudson. Their mission is to thoroughly document unique mom and pop stores before they disappear forever. And they've also written critically acclaimed books, which include Storefront, New York Nights, and Storefront 2. Welcome to the show, guys. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. I'm just interested in how you got into becoming architectural photographers. Really, it was just our love of the city and spending so much time walking around the streets that we just began documenting what we really, what we loved. And, you know, little by little, uh, we, uh, we amassed a collection of, of photographs and yeah, <laughs> I mean, as luck would have it, um, a lot of it, I feel like with photography is, is 
I mean, it, there's skill involved, but there's also luck in who you meet. And we just happened to meet a couple of people that we spoke with. And yeah, then we got hired and that kind of like started our career. And a lot of photography is through word of mouth as far as like how you get recommended, you know, to clients and things like that. So little by little, you know, we, we, we built up our portfolio and, you know, uh, we, we just feel very grateful. It's wonderful, wonderful. Um, your, your photographs are just amazing. And what, what is amazing is that they're historical as well. They, they're just capturing the, the disappearance of these stores. I mean, I do, I do follow your Instagram account. And um, just this week, I've seen a couple of posts which kind of made me quite sad. I think it's the Golden Rabbit, which is a store which has a mailbox and stationery and flowers, which is on Hudson Street. That's permanently closed. Uh, right. Yeah, that, that, was, that was so sad because to us, it just resembled... I mean, it was just a part of, like, the old New York. I mean, people don't realize, like, when you live in a big city and if you are in a smaller building, it's very difficult to get packages and even your mail sometimes never gets delivered. I mean, ours gets lost all the time and we live in a bigger building, but then it gets delivered to a neighbor and they don't, they honestly don't bother to give us their mail. Wow. So a lot of people get PO boxes, but not from the post office. They get it from these private little stores and that was one of them. That was how they need the, the main part of their business, right. but they also sold beautiful fresh flowers yeah. and stationery and like party supplies. So, I mean, it was run by like a husband and wife and they really cared about the community. To us, these little mom and pop stores, they're, they're more than just a store or if a restaurant or a cafe. They're like a community center yeah. because oftentimes when the owner when it is a mom and pop owner, they're there. Like they're, they're, there's not really that many employees, if any employees. So you get to know them. And to us, like kind of the story behind the photo, like initially when we started documenting these mom and pop stores, it was all very visually based. It was all on how the storefront looked and, you know, just a certain look and feel that it had. But yeah, totally aesthetic driven. Right. Yeah. But what happened was we started interviewing the owners and then they had so many interesting stories and like the history behind the store. Like we would ask them all these pointed questions like, why is this store in business over a hundred years and the one next door closed? Like what's their secret recipe? So it was really finding out that information, those stories to us that really it drove us further. We're like, okay, we have to keep on documenting them. This is so important. And this is like before internet. Like this is before digital photography or anything. But like we were taking all the photos with our 35 millimeter camera. We weren't sharing them with anybody. Uh, I mean, they were basically in a shoebox. Yeah, four by six prints in a shoebox. Right, or like our negative, you know, like if we didn't even have money to get it developed. I mean, usually we have this rule like, okay, it's, it, you know, it has to be worth it to, for us to even spend the money because, you know, it, it is expensive, you know, and we use color photography for the storefronts. So, I mean, that, you know, adds to the expense a little bit, but I mean, kind of had to be film worthy. So, you know, a lot of the times maybe we wouldn't even get it developed. We would just look at the negative and just be like, okay, yeah, when, when we get a chance, we'll, we'll print them out. But I mean, we had shoe boxes and shoe boxes and then the negatives, like I would just, you know, buy those plastic binders. And like, I mean, uh, we had to buy a storage unit just to, <laughs> just to keep them up. And what have you done with these negatives? I mean, they, there must be some really amazing pictures of lost, you know, lost stores on there. Um, 
on buildings. Right. Well, what we've been doing is, I mean, when we when we amassed a, a big collection of them, I mean, it was like 10, 10 years worth of photos. Uh, that's when we put together our first book, The Storefront, The Disappearing Face in New York. And then the pub date was 2008, but it actually came out like January 2009. But, um, you know, officially went to press in 2008. So we only could pick, I think there's 325 stores that are in that that book but we had thousands or yeah. by then so it was a real like when we turned in our first draft yeah. to our publisher it was like uh, 11 1200 pages, pages right? yeah. i mean it was like you know an encyclopedia and the publisher was like no 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 come on guys no he's like oh you gotta number one you gotta learn to edit 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 he's like you gotta lose what's not important and like to right. us i mean that was a big lesson i mean for really for any photographer it's very hard to like self-edit so right. it was a it was a good lesson for us to figure out okay what would be what do we need to to you know right. put out there that's most important and we have developed relationships so it became very personal like if we someone told their story and poured their heart out right and then they weren't included like they because eventually we told them, oh, we're going to make a book of this. And then, like, if they weren't in the book, they would, like, they felt, oh, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, in our mind, we said, don't worry. We're going to come out with a follow-up. So, even if you can't make it into the first one, right. we got you. You know, we, right. we didn't forget about, you know, we have a certain page count we had to adhere to. So, really, um, it, it was difficult to choose, but, I mean, I felt like, the first one we concentrated heavily on the borough of Manhattan, and we had the other four boroughs of New York City, you know, Brooklyn, Bronx, yeah, right. Queens, Staten Island. But in Storefront 2, which was the follow-up book for the daytime photography of the mom-and-pop stores, we relied more heavily on focusing right on outer boroughs, neighborhoods that we didn't get to highlight. It's more obscure, yeah. Right, obscure. I mean, you know, not obscure if you live there, but to yeah. somebody that's yeah. unfamiliar with New York or certainly a tourist, right. they probably would never venture into, you know, right. say, Auto yeah. Park, Brooklyn. It, something it, like that. I can just imagine, you know, my, myself with the books and, and kind of coming to, um, to visit New York and then trying to um, find each of these stores. I mean, people must do this. And then obviously... That's why we a whole different size of yeah. the book. Right. We, we decided, at, because when the book was released, the first storefront is Disappearing Face of New York, it was an oversized hardcover. You know, seven pounds. It weighs like seven pounds. So it's, it's quite big and, and yieldy and heavy. And it's not really, like, it doesn't even really fit in a backpack unless you have, like, a big backpack. Wow. So that's why we came out with the mini edition, which is a hardcover, too, but it's it's a much smaller size. It has the same content, but that way you could carry it around. and Go to the address. Right, because we put the address with the cross street for every single photo. And we also put the year that we photographed it because you might go there and... Lo and behold, it's not there anymore. And then you can say, oh, wait a minute. When did they take this photo? And they'd be like, okay, they took it in 2002. I guess it closed, you know, in the interim. But, um, you know, when we took the photos, all the stores were in business. Like, we didn't, we weren't taking photos of businesses that were already vibrant, uh, you know, stores and, and cafes and restaurants. No. Can I just ask another store as well, close called the Classic Coffee? on oh, yes. Street, which had been uh, operating since 1976. And I think they're yeah. one of the last stores which are selling the egg creams. 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that was a really, that's on Hester Streets in the Lower East Side, and it was a really special store because it was started by the, um, Carmine's father, and the Lower East Side is, people don't realize it's like the birthplace, it's said to be the birthplace of the quintessential New York drink, which is an egg cream, which a lot of people aren't familiar with it, you, like you really can't get them to no egg anywhere else, right? Like the name is very confusing, egg cream, but it has no eggs, has no cream in it. They're made with really, really cold milk, seltzer, and flavored syrup. I mean, right. and the flavor, the, the first flavor, right? Foxes You Bet is like Foxes is a company that was uh, started in Brooklyn that started making these syrup. But originally, these little stores would make their own syrup. You know, like they have yeah. their own secret recipe. Yeah. Usually, it's vanilla or chocolate is uh, the most popular flavors. But I mean, there's a real There's eggnog flavor. Yep. And this was a really special place because they didn't have a grill. Right. So like the things that they did sell it in addition to the egg creams were like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it was yeah. like bologna sandwiches. Yeah. It was like your working man sandwich. Yeah, we'd come there and old guys went and get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on white with a black coffee. And it was just so classic. Right. And you're like, well, why on earth would somebody <laughs> like, why don't they just make their own they want peanut butter? Because they want to talk to Right. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, that's not difficult to make. Anybody can make that. But it was more the experience of being there and just like chatting with the owner, Carmine, and the other people who come in. Like, it was really a community. It was a community gathering place. Right. There's no no better way of describing it. Like, if you want to find out what was going on on the block or in the (laughs) neighborhood, like, it got up. You'd go and you'd have you sit down with your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he'd sit in the open window, so right. you didn't even have to go in. You could just say hi to him. Wow. Right, but I mean, honestly, like the pandemic killed it because yeah. yep. uh, it's it's really sad to say, but a lot of people moved out of the neighborhood. Or if they didn't move out, we don't know where they went. Like they must have gone to. You know, wherever they moved there from, I mean, they, they weren't, I'm a native New Yorker, so, like, I, you know, I'm not leaving, I'm, I've always been in New York, but a lot of people, you know, they would move from, like, say, the outer boroughs, or, yeah. or the, um, you know, New Jersey. I mean, we have it on our, yeah, we have it on our YouTube channel, we, we do walks during the first time sort of pandemic. Right, in March and April, there and, was no one. And no one will believe it, we I do, like, I've seen them all. I, yeah. I mean, you could. I mean, we literally walked down the center of Forty Second Street. Yeah. You know, like the center, like right. in where the traffic would be. Like a twelve-minute like, long clip, and, and people were like, "How'd you do that? How come you don't see anybody?" And we're like, "That, that right, no, that's no, that's not edited. Like, that's how it was." It's not like they closed off the streets of traffic. There was no traffic. Like no one was traveling into right. the city. Everything was closed because that's yeah. when we were locked down. And I mean, I've never seen it that way. I mean. Right. But and, getting back to COVID, that, that's what killed me. Right, so that's what, I mean, that's what business was tough to begin with for Carmine, but that was kind of like the nail in the coffin, I guess, mm-hmm. would be a and good... Uh, just a great and there, was, yeah, so there was, was there was another one as well I just wanted to briefly touch on, because there's some re- re- great questions I think I, I just really want to put at you as well. But Gem Spa, I think that closed last year. Uh, um, sure. Yeah, closed earlier this year, and... Um, just around like when that's when we went into full. Oh, that's Hudson, by the way, shaking. Oh, Hudson. <laughs> when we went into full lockdown in mid March, I think it was around uh, March March fifteenth or sixteenth. Yeah. I think it was. It was right before St. Patrick's Day. I, I remember. Yeah. Um, because we we had a shoot scheduled actually on St. Patrick's Day, and usually it's like 
we, we, the shoot wasn't canceled. We, we went out there. It was in Queens. And usually the, the subways, like the subway ride, would be full of partiers. You know, yeah. like people celebrating St. Patrick's, St. Patrick's Day, going to bars. But there was nobody on the subway that oh, day. That was like the lockdown had just gone into effect. But that, I mean, Gemspot was struggling. They had issues with their rent being raised um, uh, really high. Yes. Yes. Prior to the pandemic, but again, being having to close because... Yeah. Even though they were, they have food. Like they could have stayed open during the pandemic. There was just nobody around. It didn't make sense for them to pay a staff to be there. And plus, they didn't want to put the risk. You know, it's a very hard decision. Like when you run a business, like even if the city allowed you to stay open, like do you want to put your workers at risk? Yeah, it was very strange times. So they they closed and then they never were able to reopen. I mean, that's 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 definitely the sad thing, isn't it? With with this, I mean, I was just. I was looking through your Instagram, which um, it's almost, um, it, I, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but it's almost like the, the death of um, your books. You know, your books are the, um, were, were published and the stores were there. And now, you know, the, the posts are very much kind of, this store's closing this week, this store's closing, and it's really sad. And I just wondered whether, how, how do you feel about this yourself? I mean, it must, put, you know, touch you because you, you live in the city. And we know a lot of the owners. Right. We became friends with so yeah. many of the owners, spent many hours with them. I mean, sometimes we'd go back repeatedly, like days and days right. and days. We got to become really friendly with them. So it, it's particularly hard when we see a, a business, especially one maybe that was handed down from generation to generation, to see the cause of it failing due to something that's totally not under the control. You know, it would be different if they mismanage their business or you could right. say, oh... Yeah, we know a bakery that's been through um, the yellow fever, right. this World War II. 1894, wow. it's been... Yeah, uh, yeah. 9-11. Right, they've been through so much and they've survived through so much. But, I mean, they're still open and, and luckily they own the building that they're located but they're in. But they're still struggling. Yeah, the owner says yeah. it's going down to the Right, just be, people have this feeling like that, oh, if the store owner owns the building, like if they were fortunate enough for their family to buy it many years ago when real estate prices were inexpensive, that they're set. You know, like that's their well, golden ticket to success. But that's not, that's not the truth because the city isn't very kind to small businesses. And plus, when you own a building, it's not like that's free. Like you have to pay taxes. Yeah. You have to maintain it have tenants you yes, have it's been hard it's been really 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 hard I and mean, when going back to like our book i mean that first book that the pub date 2008 when we wrote the introduction to it in 2008 one third of the photos that made it into the book the, the businesses had already closed so that's in the 10 years that it took us to compile and take all the photos one third had been closed wow. now in 2021 I can tell you for sure, because we keep track of it, it's over 90% of the businesses that were in that first book are now That's gone. That's incredible. And That's incredible. More and more on a daily basis, sadly. I mean, so, this, so, this, so a link to, link to, the, link to this uh, question is, um, is also, you've done some amazing uh, YouTube videos on uh, my personal favorites, the neon signs and the, again, <laughs> Obviously, some of the shops that um, were, um, well, that have closed had neon signs. And, you know, so the, so the neon signs are disappearing as well. And they, they give sort of the atmosphere to New York. They, 
you know, when you're walking through the streets and you see these neon signs, they're so attractive and it's, it's going to be really, really sad if these disappear. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? I mean, it's terrible because neon signs in New York City were disappearing anyway because they're so hard to maintain. They're so costly. Because it's a labor law. It's a labor law. Most of them went up in the 1930s or 1940s. And they are just exposed to the elements. So we get a lot of snow in, in New York. I mean, it hasn't been that Thank snowy you. in winter this year yet. But, I mean, we're, we're only in, you know, January still. February can be um, quite cold and snowy. But all that bad weather, like, it just, you know, it takes its, it takes toll. its toll on yeah. the, on these old signs. And we know a few that we've lost. We know a few that, that the owners just said forget it. You know, like, it was just too costly to maintain it. And they ended up taking it down, which is a pity. But... I mean, one sign that we that we actually helped save this year was a beloved music shop and school. It was like a uh, it's called Palamba Academy of Music, and it was in the Bronx, you know, yes. uh, where I near place. where I grew up. And I actually got like my first keyboard there, and uh, we became friendly with the owner. You know, we had interviewed him, and he reached out to us to tell us that he had to close his um, music school for good because of the pandemic. Because, you know, schools had to shut in New York, and most of his business was not based on instrumental sales. He also sold musical instruments there, but most of the business was due to him, you know, giving music lessons and voice lessons, even dance lessons. And he was closed since March, and then he made the executive decision, like, there wasn't any announcement when really he could ever reopen. He's like, you know, I just can't keep it going. Yeah. And he called us and he said, listen, I know that you love the sign. What am I going to do with the sign? I'm going to sell the, he owned the building. He's like, I'm going to sell the building. I have no choice. I'm closing down. And they're going to just dump the sign. Because that's what happens. A lot of people knew somebody else buys it. They don't want the sign from an the business. To them, it's just, it's a, it's an eyesore. They just, they want to scrap it. They just throw it in a dumpster. And he's like, that sign, he's like, this means everything to, to me and my family. I've spent many uh, thousands of dollars maintaining it because they can spend definitely, you know, the contract lit, you know. And it was in a business for 64 dollars. years. 64 years, I believe. <laughs> exactly. So we said, no, no, don't leave it up there. You don't know, even if you sell the building, make sure that you keep it, like, you know, write it in the contract that you, that you're going to, they're going to take the sign down that it's going to be safe. They can't do anything to it. We're going yeah. to help you find a place for it. And we ended up uh, starting a Kickstarter campaign to help, uh, you know, save the sign. The Basically, we documented the process. We're, we're going to do a whole little short doc- documentary about it. But we found a museum. I mean, oddly, there's no museum in New York City that takes New York's neon signs. Oh. You know, wow. they're, t- they're this one was um, what it, almost 30 feet long. I mean, they weigh a ton, so they're not interested. Space is too much at a premium. And we found we found one in Cincinnati, Ohio, so it had to travel, you know, a long, long distance. Um, across the, yeah, to find a home for it, you know, it had to be taken down by, with a crane and go on a track and uh, uh, go on a trailer and be shipped to, <laughs> shipped wow. across the country. But the the good news is that at least it's safe for future generations. And then we're going to tell the story because we interviewed the owner and a lot of famous musicians actually got their start. Sure. And we've been gathering that information at this Palumbo Academy of Music. 
and it's really a fascinating story to tell. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's very, very personal to us. I mean, no. we're also working family of another business called Clover Delicatessen. I don't know if you remember seeing that on our Instagram yes, page. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, I do. Yeah, that one has a gorgeous neon sign because it wraps around the corner and it's on two colors. And yeah, we're going to hope to save that one as well. I just I just wanted to say something because there's a, there's a definite difference between America, um, I'm, I'm hearing from, from what you're telling me, and... Um, you know, historic because these are really historic signs. And if you um, if you're in the UK, I mean, there's there's so many preservation societies um, that would look at and look after and maintain them, and you could get grants for these things. Doesn't doesn't that exist in New York City? <laughs> no, I mean there are there are preservation societies, and we are members of them, but. Right. They can get a building landmarked, but it has to be of extreme historical significance. And it's not an easy task to undertake. I mean, and it can take years and years and years. And meanwhile, you know, the sign sign can be long gone. So it's not an easy process to get something landmarked. And honestly, a lot of the building owners don't even want the building landmarked because that means that they can't ever sell it and get you know, sell the air rights. Like once a building is landmarked in New York City, you usually have to keep the same height. Usually if it's yeah. an old building that means yeah. three or four stories. The big thing in New York is building super talls. You know, everything is huge, 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 tall, you know, just monstrosities. Yeah, they buy the, and, they buy the air rights, don't they? To, uh, above all the, the buildings. That's that's the thing. I mean yeah. Katz is delicatessen in, in the Lower East Side, which is a, um, right on right on Houston Street. It has gorgeous neon. Yeah. They act and that's a single story building and they're on a corner, a very busy corner. They actually sold their air rights to the properties um, next door and they built this a huge, you know, yeah. condo. And I mean they got a lot of money for their air rights. I mean, people were kind of upset saying that they're a sellout, but I mean in our opinion, listen, they bought the building long ago. They survived through the neighborhood when nobody wanted to live on the Lower East Side. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, the, the owner told the stories of, of traveling with one of his meat cleavers, you know, that they used to go. Yeah, they get out at 4 a.m., yeah. Right. He, used to, he would carry a meat cleaver. Right, just to get to his car to get out of there because it was so, it was an unsavory neighborhood. There was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of crime in the late 1970s and early 80s. <laughs> early 80s, yeah. And, you know, in our opinion, listen, they toughed it out through that. So if they're reaping the benefits now, of, they're gonna keep the store uh, right and keep it, and they'll keep the store open. You know, let them let it's them sell such their a difficult, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not a simple. It's, you know, no. there's more to these, you know, than than meets the eye. And I was hearing as well. I was watching one of your your videos, and for for obviously the listeners on the regulation of neon signs has changed. It seems that you've got some great ones that overhang the sidewalk, and now you you really can't do that. Is is that correct? That's correct. The old neon signs that were put up in the 1930s and 1940s, and really that was pretty much you know you could just put up a neon sign no matter where what neighborhood you were in, what borough. It, yeah. it, it wasn't stipulated. Just but now, yep. right now you just put it, put anything on it. But now they're very strict. First of all, New York does not issue new permits for neon signs anymore. Wow. It just does that's not so sad. Have to 
right. right, in a designated district, which is basically like Times Square. They Times don't Square. want neon in, you know, like Greenwich Village or any, really any, any neighborhood. So you have to be grandfathered. So the old ones are what's called grandfathered in. Plus, right. they can't stick more than 18 inches, and this okay. is any signage, not even a neon sign, any kind of sign, 18 inches from the facade, so from like, you know, the face of your building. Right. So these old, big old neon signs, that I mean... They stick out perpendicular to the building. Right, I mean, they, they're a couple of feet out there. I mean, they're they're huge. Yeah. So they would never, ever pass these new regulations, but because they were up prior to these newer, you know, rulings, they're, they're what's called grandfathered in. But the trick is, is that you've got to maintain the permit. You know, people don't realize, too, just to have a sign up on your on your building, you have to pay a fee to the city every year. And then if you want it illuminated, like with neon, that's even more money. That's, that's an illuminated sign permit. So you have to get a regular permit for the sign, wow. then illuminate, which raises the cost even more. So there's all these, the, the owners call it, you know, when we interview them, the hidden tax. Yeah. The hidden tax that he imposes with all these rules and regulations and fees and, and, fees and, and fines. You, you can have your telephone number on it. You can't have your telephone number right. on they, it. They always change that. Like, now you can't have both your address and your phone number on your sign. Like, that's illegal. They just consider that a form of advertisement. So, so you can have the and yeah. the address but not the phone number or the name and the phone number but not the address like it's just and they change it all the time yeah. like they will change it on a whim and then you know you've invested all this money in a sign and then you'll have to go and change it so it's quite confusing i mean like i said new york city does not make it difficult um, easy to operate a small business no. sadly no that, i mean it's incredibly sad as well because I, I have been to new york quite a few times and one of my favorite things is to walk around the streets at night and see these neon signs and I just wonder I just and the independent shops as well I just wonder the the future for the city I mean is it just more of the the same chain restaurants that we see in England they're in America they're in every other country you know the Starbucks is do you do you see that's that is the future or do you see any sort of independent shops returning i mean i just wondered what your thoughts are on this well i would say it would depend heavily upon the neighbor we're very lucky because in the lower east side east village and grant village a lot of the buildings are low like three or four or five story low buildings and they're and they're not wide so meaning that if there is a store associated with them the storefront is very small in size as far as square footage so chain stores are not interested in a store that's only 150 like square feet. Literally, yeah. Literally. I mean, there's stores that are even smaller than that. We, we know a little business owner. She has a store created between two buildings. Yeah. Like they uh, made a store. You did an alley. They put a roof yes. the alley. Right. It's like a tiny little, it's like a shoebox. I mean, people have walk-in closets that are 10 times the size of our storefront. So a chain store is not interested in something so small. So yeah. In those neighborhoods, I feel like even though the pandemic is causing a lot of small businesses to fold, yeah. eventually there'll be something new that, that will take the spot over. And I feel like more more often than not, it will be an independent right. store. Because in all honesty, people think that we only photograph like old stores. You know, like it has to be old, otherwise we're not interested in it. But that's the furthest thing from the truth because... We are interested in, in what's new. I mean, New York is always changing. We're not trying to create like a museum 
Like maybe right. like the storefront museum. Like no, nothing can change. Yeah. But we like if a store closes, we like it to be replaced with a new mom and pop store. Like right. not a cheap business. Not right. you know a. In New York, it's a lot of um, the smaller ones might be taken with something called the Dunkin' Donuts. That's like mm-hmm. kind of like a Starbucks. I mean, I don't think they have Dunkin' Donuts in New York, but that's a big chain of like a coffee yeah. donut shop. And they, they will take a smaller storefront. And then they'll drive out, unfortunately, when a, a Dunkin' Donuts comes into business selling coffee for like a dollar, yeah. you know, they'll have a, oh, they'll run out someplace that they can't possibly sell it. Right. You know, they can't compete. And then they'll raise the price. Then they'll make it three fifty for a cup of coffee. You know, after they get Whatever rid of the else com- right, after they get rid of the competition. This is a little game that they play. Um, unfortunately, I there'll be some of those, but I'm hopeful in cer- some parts of the city that small businesses will be able to survive. But it's going to take a long time. I mean, we've walked around now and we continue to do so. There's so many stores closed. Yeah, it's carnage. It's it's very bad out there. What you see on the news and what you hear is not reality. And the reality is, honestly, when you walk around and you see that it's closed, sometimes you're not sure if it's ever going to reopen. You think yeah. maybe you have hope that it is going to reopen. But I know just from and jeans from us speaking to the store owners they can't possibly pay rent for over a year now. Like you know, in March will be yeah. a whole year since a lot of them have been closed. They, they're not, even if the the city is giving them a break that they can, you know, not pay rent and not get kicked out right away, eventually they'll have to pay it. They're not going to be able to afford it. So they're going to have to close or not reopen eventually. They may have not publicly announced it. So, you know, a lot of people are, oh, it's going to reopen. But the reality is, sadly, I mean, I have to be face reality that yeah, it's, it's, they, they won't. So there'll definitely be a period of time where it's going to look right. very sad. I mean, right. it's sad already, but uh, I feel like a lot more is going to close this year. You know, um, it is, it is, and and I've I've noticed what the the there's a obviously um, if you've got a storefront and you're selling things, you want people to come inside of the of the store. Um, but it seems like the bars and the restaurants have um, they've been a little bit. Um, it's been easier to adapt because they've um, they seem to have closed off parts of the road or some of the streets and they've had this outdoor dining um you know it, it, it's just a sh- it's just a shame that the stores couldn't have that option i don't know how you would get around that but do, do you understand what i'm saying yeah i mean we do like the, but even the store but even, even the restaurants you think because you're not you know you just what when you hear on the news that the mm-hmm. restaurants that have the outdoor dining are doing well but they're not no I know they're not. They do about 25% of their usual business. If, oh, if wow. that, maybe. When it's cold, nobody is using the outdoor dining, I right. can assure you, <laughs> because we walk and we walk and we walk in our own neighborhood and there's no one there. I mean, it's, I mean, who's going to eat outside? I don't care if there's a little heater. Yeah. It's still cold. Me. I mean, there, we know countless restaurants did. Right. They're, they're, it's about 25% of they're, their They told us that they're hemorrhaging money. You know, and it costs so much to create these outdoor dining structures, which the city also, they were they were good about it. Like, they kept on changing the rules and regulations of how high they could be, how thick they could be, what, you know, whether they could be totally enclosed, and then yeah. they changed their mind. Oh, no, it had to have an opening on one side and an opening on three sides. And, you know, they... You had a wall 18 inches right. thick. I mean, they just, they weren't, they weren't, again, very helpful or very friendly about it at all, and... 
The fact is, is that that's not going to be the thing that's going to keep these restaurants, in particular, or bars. I mean, we know a bar owner, and put it this way, on a Friday night, we went by there, he has his little outdoor dining, you know, whatever you call it, little, little table set up outside. He told me he made a, made a dollar. That's all. He made one dollar for the after Friday night. And everything. Right, after expenses, he made one dollar for the night. And, you know, their rent is... Uh, I think he said what thirty two thousand a month. Thirty two thousand a month is their rent. And they have to put in a hot dog maker. Right. In order to sell a drink in New York, you can't. As if you're a bar, you have to now sell food. You can't just sell. You can't have an open uh, a street. Right. So they. Is is there any help? Is there any help from from um, you know the the state? Because in the UK, you know. I mean. We have. You know, there's all these things, P loans and all these things. I mean. But I mean, the unfortunately the loans that that are that were available, a lot of people didn't get them. Like they went to to bigger places, like the little mom and pop stores. They didn't have the clout or like the know it all of how yeah. to fill up the forms out properly. Right. This, that, and the other thing. And the money can only be used a very small portion of it towards your rent. That's the problem with the loans. Is that it's really to pay for your staff, for your employees, which is wonderful because we want people to be employed. Yeah. But when you have an overhead of thirty-two thousand dollars a month rent, right. I mean, yeah, the staff is going. Right. You know, yeah. you can't. You can't even pay a staff. We know owners that are trying to run it with their son. Right. And uh, it's heartbreaking to see, like when it, last summer it was like ninety degrees out, the guys running out to deliver to the street. Right, because and his son's know. answering the phone, and, 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 and he's just going down with the ship, is the best way I can put it. That's what he said. Yeah. And um, struggling yeah. to just try to somehow, you know. Right, all of them said that they've poured their life savings now. They've emptied out their IRAs, yeah, and, and they've poured every little bit of money that they've ever, ever tucked away for a rainy day, you know. So yeah, that's gone now. Right, that's gone. So, I mean... That's what, that's what we're very afraid of. Like, if they don't get help soon, I don't know how they can make it even through this winter. I mean, it's it's dire situation. I mean, yeah. you know, we have to be hopeful. Maybe, you know, we have you know, new leadership now. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, all these loans and rules and, and laws and things like that, all that takes a very long time. It's not yeah. like that happens overnight. So, yeah. you know, a promise... That's like a carrot dangling in front of you. You know, how much longer can you hold out? As the bills pile up. Right, for the carrot. Yeah, you know? you're right. I mean, we're, we're having the same issue, in, you know, in this in this country. We're all desperate to, you know, I mean, we're, we're on full, you know, lockdown. Um, and it, we, we don't know when we're going to be open again. But I think the positive thing that's coming out of it in the UK is that we're, we're heavily pushing the vaccinations you know, so um, um, people people can, you know, start opening businesses sometime uh, later in the year. Um, but it's how many of them businesses will actually be left because there, there's, there's a hell of a lot of um, national change, which I know um, you, you're not supportive of because um, I don't think many of us are here. I prefer the uh, independent stores. They're, they're disappearing and they've gone. Um, and you're having the... Um, the malls, as you say, you know, becoming kind of empty because the stores have just gone bust. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, chain stores closing in New York City as well. I mean, a lot of chain stores have left. I mean, maybe not their flagship store, but but, but they, you know, they're they were the first to go. Honestly, they were the first to 
mean, they yeah. took their signs down. I mean, like within yeah. months, not only did they have broken their lease because they have they have good lawyers that good lawyers can break a lease. Yes. Whereas on like a little pop store, yeah. they're not so savvy, you know, like they don't know yeah. how to break a lease and like get off the hook for, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. So Yeah, they ripped down their sign and threw everything in a truck and they were out of there. Right. I mean, wow. we saw that. We gap, like they were yeah. gone and American Eagle. A bunch from Victoria's Secret. Yeah, all these chains. If we can say that, I don't know. Right. I mentioned yeah. their specific <laughs> names, but. But we, we saw them and we're like, oh, wow, they're, they're gone already. Like, they're yeah. not even giving it a chance to reopen. I mean, this no. was like early. This was like by April, like right. we, only, we were only shut down for like a month and we're like, oh gosh, what do they know that we don't know? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. you're thinking, in the back of your mind, but um, yeah, we did a walk up 7th Avenue one night on YouTube and um, it's carnage, right? literally blocks and blocks and blocks, right. just empty shop. Around the theater district and around, oh. I mean, is particularly, you know, sad because the, the ripple theater. effect, yeah. Right, the ripple effect of the theater Closing Broadway. Right. Close all the little independent restaurants that thrive on the theater business. And the delis. Even the street vendors, like your little guy that sells hot dogs. There's no one walking around. There's no one to buy a hot dog anymore. I mean, we buy a hot dog. We buy hot dog frogs. You know, (laughs) we try to support them. I mean, that's what we always do with with our YouTube channel. And and we always, we try to, like, we are what we preach. You know, we try to shop local um, and just support these small businesses because... That's the bottom line. Whether rules and regulation and whether they get loans and help from right. the government, that's all beautiful and wonderful, and we, right. we, we hope for that. But the bottom line is they need the customers. They need the business. So even if you can't physically go there, whether you can buy a gift certificate or buy some merchandise online or something like right. that, we encourage people to support them now because lamenting them later when they're already gone, that's not going to bring them yeah. back. It's important to just... To support them now yeah. while we can you know no and and, and it, it, it it's it's very evident if you follow um, your youtube channel where you you're pretty much out there every every day or two filming uh, the streets of new york and showing all of these amazing places and um you know there's i know you've got a big following online of people you know sat in their homes on you know in lockdown <laughs> and watching and watching you experiences and i think you know a lot of people, once we can travel again and once we can come back to New York, um, will be seeking out these stores. And I just hope they're, they're still there. You know, that's, um, you know, I, I, I want to try and end on a, on a positive note. What's, so I, I, can I just ask you both separately, um, what do you, do, you know, New York has always bounced back. I think we're, we're all aware of that. You know, there's been, it's been hit with many things. Um, the last one obviously was 9-11. Um, it always seems to bounce back. But do you, do you really believe this time after the coronavirus, which is probably going to last over a year now, it, what do you think the future holds for New York and the independent stores? Well, we are always positive by nature. So I definitely think that in many neighborhoods it is possible for for small businesses to bounce back but it's going to take time like we have to be realistic it's not going to happen like overnight it's not going to be like turn on the light switch and like okay everybody's back and everybody's you know um doing great again but like i said the, the hope is is that maybe these smaller 
stores that have a smaller footprint can, even if the business that's there now has to close, that maybe a new store takes over. Because the yeah. fact is, is that new people are always going to move to New York. New immigrants, I mean, it's a, it's a dream to like open a store in New York for a, a lot of people. And I think that still is a dream. And I think that's a, a, obtainable, especially now if the rents come down a little bit. You know, maybe we'll see right. a break some of the commercial rent rates, and that's going to enable people that have dreamed of starting a new small business to take over the spaces that are now empty. So yes. that's that's what I'm hopeful for. I really, truly believe that can happen. I mean, it definitely happened after 9-11. Downtown Manhattan was, was decimated. I mean, 9-11 was different because it was only affected a really a small part of New York City. It didn't, nobody moved out of, like, Bronx or Queens or... Or you know Staten Island because of the pan because of nine uh, eleven the the only it was only really Lower Manhattan in, it, in its immediate area. Yes, but Lower Manhattan did come back, so I believe it can. I mean, will more chain stores and things like that creep in? Probably, but there's a lot of I feel like the sentiment now, and I feel like people like ourselves and and other people have taken up the cause too are really proponents of keeping these small businesses alive and hopefully they see the value in them like they're not just a business they're like like we said a community center yeah. and you know we're, we're hopeful for that so yeah i think there's definitely um yeah. there's definitely a, a pot of gold at the end of the uh, end of the rainbow it might be a very long journey but we'll get there yeah. what about yourself james what do you think yeah, I think New York's chin up, chest out, defiance is going to shine through. And, and we'll be fine. You know, it, it's, we talk, it's just going to take time. Exactly what Carlos said. A lot longer than I think a lot of people imagine or understand. But all right, we're going to be fine. Right. I mean, even downtown. I mean, we're not going anywhere. So. Right. I mean, the, there's, there's a lot of people like us that are, that are, that are saying we're we're not going to leave just because like so many other people have left. Yeah. I mean, we might we might have to travel for work for a little while. I mean, <laughs> that's what we're doing right now. But I mean, you know, that's okay. We can adapt and, and yeah. we'll, we'll we'll go where we where we can make some money and then then we return back home. You know, yeah. that's all. Yeah. Well, you might want to consider London or Manchester because I think a similar thing is. Is happening there, and um, I don't know whether you've, um, you've you've thought about about doing that. Yeah, we've shot a lot of London. Yeah, we, I mean the Golden Hind for fish and chips. <laughs> yeah, that was, really. that was one of our favorite spots that we that we remember. I mean, there's so many. I feel like in the UK that maybe the like you said, the government cares a little bit more about right. preserving these lovely old stores and. Um, you know, we hope that that, that can be something that's, that will change in New York, that people generally will care a little bit more. Maybe maybe this will be an eye-opener, that maybe the many of clothes, they'll realize, oh, we don't want it just to become a mall of America. Right. Because yeah. why come to New York City if, it, if it's just like, uh, you know, I don't know. But, uh, I, th I think you're right as well. I mean, if, if, if a landlord wants um, an empty empty storefront it's best to to reduce the rent and and have something there um and that's maybe where the shoots of um new business will start you know when the rents just drop so low and right. the, the, the new new people are moving and take opportunity but i'm i'm sure like you've said before 
once New York powers back, then rents will will shoot back up again. Okay. And not most likely, but I mean, you know, like I said, all that stuff can take a lot of time. And meanwhile, yeah. maybe that can put hold for new businesses, new small businesses yeah. to start, you know, planting seeds and, and starting to grow and get a foothold right then before before inevitably it, it does get expensive again. Well, I'd just like to just finish on a, on a statement to you guys. Just like, firstly, you've, you're such an inspiration for um, many people. I know there's many fans in the UK of, of um, your, your show, you know, your TV. Uh, I think what I, what I like about it, you're showing the history, you're showing real life on YouTube. You're not just filming something. There's that, there's that real human interaction. And I can tell you really care about what you're doing. So I'd just like to thank you for spending an hour with um, with myself and um, answering the questions. And it, I'm just um, really, really pleased to have had you on, on, on this show. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I mean, it, we feel flattered that, uh, that, you know, that you appreciate what we're doing and, and that you can see that the love that we have for these small businesses because we truly do. You do. Just, just keep, keep going, please. Please share, subscribe and comment to support the channel. The Architect.